0: two artists walk into a bar now stop me if you've heard this one
1: listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work life and the creative journey thanks for tuning in to episode number eight of two artists walk into a bar I'm your host artist Carol McQuaid. our guest artist today is Danny McBride if you've ever slow danced to Lady in Red you've heard him play guitar You've known him as a musician, but now he's taking the art world by storm with paintings of ladies in hats. He can't paint them fast enough to keep up with demand, but we get him to take some time out of his busy schedule to sit down over beers and share stories from the studio and from the road. You'll find links to his art and music along with full show notes on our website, twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you like it and want to hear more conversations with artists, subscribe, rate and review, and if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to the Canadian Brew House and listen in as Danny and I talk about his art start as the Poisoned Pencil, almost auditioning for the Stones, and the best Trump David Hasselhoff OJ story you will ever hear. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, well, cheers. Danny thanks for coming down and chatting with me this is so fun as soon as I got the idea to do this podcast I knew I wanted to talk to you really uh, yep I uh, (laughs) in fact I made a little hit list it's in my phone and the reason I so wanted to talk to you is partly because I just want to hear your stories and uh, (laughs) and because you are you are such a great example of that crossover of you know being artistic in a whole bunch of different ways so where should we even start? Let's. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your incredible music career?
0: I wish your audience could see my hat. <laughs> I wish that's they the I'm going to take a picture of your hat <laughs> you know, and post it with this. <laughs> the hat. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny because I want to write a book about this, or I need somebody to write it. I'm, I'm dyslexic to begin with, but I want to call it Invisible in the Fast Line because that's the way I felt. I mean, I had a brother uh, who was maybe one of Canada's greatest singers, Bob McBride, sang for uh, the group Lighthouse, and uh, he that- sang uh, Sunny Days, oh. One Fine Morning, Girl Wake Up, and...
1: Oh, that uh, is a soundtrack of my summer youth. Yeah,
0: One Fine Morning, Girl I'll Wake Up, that, uh. that song. I, I was playing guitar at the time and people come up and they say, You know, what's what's it like to live in the shadow of your brother? And I said, It's really it's actually warm <laughs> back here. You know, it's nice yeah. and cozy and I hope he becomes a big star. Yeah. And then I never have to work again in my life and I never have to walk out on stage because I had stage fright. Oh wow. For for it all, like for everything. Yeah. As it turned out, Bob left Lighthouse and in, you know, turn a page and he's driving me to the airport to record to fly to London to record my first record for CBS. And it always gets me a little bit because on the radio at that time, uh, Elton John was singing Daniel's Leaving Tonight on a Plane. Right. And I thought of him staying because he was a big star. He's a guy who had the voice. But, you know, going back, Bob and I were in all sorts of bands and uh, I was... Uh, in the house band at the rock pile on the rock Pile showcase bands like uh, Led Zeppelin, the Who um, uh, Jeff Beck uh, every blues artist you can think of most rock artists you can think of too yeah so that was a real great education you know it is back in the day nobody knew who Led Zeppelin was really they got sandwiches and beer and we just got sandwiches <laughs> right I don't even think I stayed for the whole show
1: yeah wow because.
0: I mean, they did have one record out, but it was their first visit to North America. Yeah. Um,
1: So were you in and around when, like, Moby Grape was? Oh, yeah. So Don Stevenson was my boss for a number of years in Whistler. Was he one of the guys in the band? Yeah, he was the drummer. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's at times played. You're
0: asking me, and you're the one who only (laughs) looks about 25. That's crazy. You couldn't have been around then.
1: (laughs) I was, I was there to receive my older brother's records. <laughs> <laughs> In your crib. In my crib. We'll go with that shirt. Sure, why not? <laughs> wow. So you were playing from a really young age.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, all sorts of crazy bands. I mean, Rick James. You remember Rick James, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from, yeah. uh, J- Dave Chappelle did a whole, you know, comedy skit on him. Well, Rick. Moved up from uh, Buffalo as a draft dodger. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he was nineteen or twenty. Whenever they, you know, you're eligible for the draft. He was a year older than my brother. He started dating my brother's girlfriend out of high school, and he started <laughs> singing a lot of bands. So oh, wow. you know, I would play with him or jam with him. And yeah, um, at that time, I started a band called Downchild Blues Band with um, uh, the f- founder uh, Donnie Walsh. And Downchild uh, went on to really, uh, like, there would be no Blues Brothers without Downchild Blues Band, because Dan Aykroyd was our biggest groupie.
1: Oh, okay. He was also my
0: brother's biggest groupie. We thought he was a weirdo. I, he, he just <laughs> is the way he acts. But yeah. um, he'd come and see, you know, all those blues shows, and he still sings with Downchild occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, geez, I'll just keep going and going and going. There's just so many bands. (laughs) And I I just want to keep
1: listening. It's awesome. (laughs) And you spent a lot of time playing with Chris DeBerg.
0: 12 years. 12 years. With Chris. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Prepping for the interview, I of course had that song. I was singing it out loud, and I thought he's going to know it's me as I walked at uh, the sparse. singing I, I haven't been able to scrape lady. it out of my <laughs> yeah. head yet.
0: Uh, well, I, you know, it's funny when I went to I went to um, Jamaica while I was with him, uh-huh. and you know, you, the songs become a hit when you hear a reggae band singing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I called the Lady in Dreads, <laughs> lady in dreads. That's and
1: perfect. don't pay
0: the Rasta Ferryman, because uh-huh. he had don't pay the Ferryman. man.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: There was a lot of stuff that happened that was. Pr- pretty exciting because it was raw before Mm -hmm. i reformed steppenwolf and i I was involved i missed auditions with the rolling stones because the danny mcbride was shown in awe and uh
1: they brought in the wrong danny mcbride well
0: they brought the right guy in but he Uh didn't get the show the gig because Uh when danny told me about it the other danny mcbride yeah he bought me three doubles and said i went and auditioned for the stones in your place
1: (laughs) and i said you play with Shannon
0: because ah, he played with Seananah. Yeah. I didn't even register right. that I'd missed this. And quite frankly, because of my fear of uh, everything, <laughs> I sort of didn't. I wanted to block it out of my head. And then five years later, I was reforming Steppenwolf LA And it was the night before the last waltz. And there was a huge party. And Jagger was there, Ronnie Wood, uh, Joni Mitchell. All these people were at this, the, the band's. Bob Dylan's band studio, Shangri-La. And I'm jamming with Neil Young. And we're just like working out this tune and I'm playing bottleneck and uh, uh, Neil's uh, manager at the time says, listen, Mick wants to come and say hi. I think she knows you. And I went, What? And he came down and he said, why didn't you play like that at the audition? <laughs> and you don't look the same. So I'm telling him the story myself. I'm telling you. But back, yeah. we'll jump back to Chris Yeah, Chris was a real big deal for me because... He was already a big star in Europe, and I had really no idea that he was that big. I mean, our first shows when I when I joined the band were like forty thousand people. Yeah. A night. Wow. <laughs> and we graduated up to two hundred thousand with our opening acts being U two and the Cure and Depeche Mode, and was um, we switch off with Supertramp because we had the same management.
1: Wow! Wow!
0: And then Supertramp asked me to join when Roger left the band. Yeah. And Tina Turner asked me to join, but I stayed with Chris out of loyalty to the band. Yeah. Because Chris was a little shit. Sorry, Chris, (laughs) at times. So was
1: I. I like to imagine that Chris Berg is listening to us right now and (laughs) and is going, oh, how could you? (laughs) I had to listen to
0: him writing The Lady in Red. I mean, we were all, we're all like, you know, we're all blues players. And this guy's down the hallway on a grand piano going, The Lady in Red. (laughs) And I'm going, and they're going... He says, "Danny, uh, Danny, what, what do you think of this one?" Right down from down the hallway, and they said, "Go and find out." You know. Yeah. Tell them Yeah. So I went down the hallway, and I said, "You know, Chris, I've been listening all afternoon, and I got to tell you, it's a nice melody, but I don't know if it's ever going to be a hit. <laughs> and it's in the top five love songs of all time." Okay, it's your turn. <laughs> more I'm more have, weddings and this. You
1: sip all you want. So you've had this amazing music career. I have more questions I want to ask about that, but you've also had this amazing painting career so when did that when did that appear on your like how do you fit that in with the with the kind of traveling <laughs> musician life that you've had
0: well uh, now the way from public school I liked you know I liked drawing and stuff like that that's back when you were dyslexic they thought you were mentally disturbed so they put you in a uh, you know a class for challenge kids which they did yeah but I just like drawing and my dad did caricatures Uh at the office and I was always fascinated watching him draw he was also a draftsman so he was very a Virgo Mm -hmm. very precise kind of person so his drawings were too and I was totally captivated by watching him do that and I would try and do it in high school, you know. I tortured a lot of teachers and yeah. and my friends with these caricatures I did. did. Mm-hmm. Well, I took that right on into the music business with me. Uh-huh. And there's restaurants all over Europe with my caricatures in them of Chris DeBerg oh, and the band. Oh, wow, yeah. But no one would sit across the table from me at dinner. Yep. fear They call me the poison pencil. <laughs> so when it all ended with Chris... And I came back to Kelowna, or I actually came back to Vancouver, a friend of mine, Chris Yost, um, said, Danny, why don't you get a a canvas and Uh some paint and really, you know, express yourself? So I said, okay, dude, I'm going to do that. So I got this rectangle, Uh you know, the canvas, in a uh, horizontal Uh way, right? Yep. And I painted this long face like I would with my caricature kind of thing I didn't know where I was going with it in a long neck yeah and I thought oh what am I going to do with the rest of the canvas because it's you know this is a long rectangle so right. I thought I'll put a hat on it and I painted this hat in, and And David Hasselhoff bought that first painting.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) And it was like a
0: Victorian long face, you know? Yeah. Somebody said, hey, you know what, man? Your stuff looks a bit like Modigliani. And I said... It does. Well, where's where's he showing? (laughs) Like, maybe he's copying me. He's been, like, dead for 100 years, right?
1: And you've carried that uh, that style. The paintings of yours that I've seen, I... Totally love. That's all I can do. Honestly, <laughs> you don't have to do anything else. <laughs> you can you can just hang out to bed. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's turned into a brand. Yeah. So uh,
1: yeah,
0: you know, I I did do other things. I did flowers and things, and I I sold them. But you know, basically, people wanted the hats. They said, you know, and can you make it a red hat? You're sort of the red hat guy, right? So I thought, yeah, I should uh, I should stick with this thing. It works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was my own worst critic as I was with my music you know I I really honestly if you knew me better I, I I was so fearful when I went on stage the guys used to look at me and go Danny are you gonna be okay man right. you look like you're gonna have a heart attack right yeah I get over it you know after a few weeks of touring but you know it's with my art thank god I had galleries because I had somebody who would go up and you know, do the talking for me and take the money. Right. Because I just wanted to give them away, right? Right. which I can't do.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Well, when I first heard about you as an artist through Friends, it was that somebody had come in, seen your work, and in one fell swoop cleaned out your entire studio and and requested everything that you had in a gallery. One buyer bought this massive, what can you tell us about uh well, can you yeah. tell us about that?
0: Well, a very, very dear friend of mine. Can I say somebody's name sure, here? Sure, totally. Okay, uh, his name's Ken Fisher. Mm-hmm. And, and Ken's, a dear friend of mine. That's exactly And, and a friend of yours, too. <laughs> and, and Ken's big thing is he's, you know, had chatter salons and uh, Tommy guns. And he's done very well. And he's a very generous guy. And he's been giving it back to people everywhere. Um, anyways, Ken said, listen, man, he just bought a plaza. Mm-hmm. and there were some people had moved out he said why don't you take one of the empty stores he said i noticed you got a bunch of paintings that aren't in galleries like i had 18 or 20 of them yeah and i found a really nice space set them up there was a chandelier in there and i said you know ken these are expensive paintings and the traffic you come that have coming through here right now i don't think they're going to be able to afford them he said, that's all right. I'll bring a couple of guys down. Well, he did. Yeah. And they came in and they looked, three guys, and they went, nice, good luck. And they left.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Ken looked back at me and said, geez, man, listen, I'll bring some more guys down. Don't worry. <laughs> but one of the guys came back and he said, do you think I could get a deal on that? Uh-huh. And I thought he meant the one painting. And I said, sure. And he said, good, yeah. I'll take them all. Uh-huh. And I want all your paintings from all your galleries, too. Yeah. Yeah. So he just bought me out. Wow. It was, you know, I'm in going through a bit of a crisis in my head now because yeah. it's like I have nothing. Yeah, yeah. But I do have people wanting things now that they think there's nothing left, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's sort of turned into a good thing.
1: A little urgency, yeah. And supply and demand, and yeah. I think for an artist, that is a pretty rare moment that somebody comes in and it was and a, uh, cleans an you amazing,
0: <laughs> You know, if you, want, I'll give you a, a. You want to hear a funny story? Oh yes. Um, it sounds weird because I didn't know what I was doing at this place, really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What the fa- heck? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was I doing at this
0: place? Uh-huh. So I was a guest at Princess Diana's house, Althorpe. And this house, if anybody thought she was a commoner, is on, the land that the, that the house is on is the size of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So I was there with David Hasselhoff mm-hmm. and... Duran Duran was staying there. So here we are. Uh, we've been greeted by uh, Francis Shankid, who's Diana's mother. Diana's passed. I'm with um, David Hasselhoff and his wife. And uh, we go in, and we there's this big party. And we're, we're, we're eating, and I'm sitting at this beautiful table. There are Gainsboroughs. There are more Gainsboroughs there than there are at the Louvre.
1: Right? Wow. And I'm sitting
0: right beside her, and I said, do you think because I showed her some pictures of my paintings earlier? Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Do you think you should, could do some uh, of my paintings in between those Gainsboroughs up there and <laughs> in, the, in between the spaces?" She said, "Well, oh, darling," she says, "Danny, the uh, spaces are actually owned by the paintings themselves, so you would have oh, to speak to them." Oh, what a Something great like line! That, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is awesome. And were you there performing? Were you there just yes. soci- Yeah. We were there for
0: the Princess Trust. Um, mm-hmm. There was an, a number of groups that, that played that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Um, she, she was a pretty cool woman, though. She met us in track pants with sushi at oh, the door. Oh, right
1: on. Yeah. yeah. The only
0: thing that David's wife said in the beginning was, who decorated this place? It's like 500 years old. <laughs> and I think she said, oh, do you think it was an accident? Which was a little bit weird. Uh-huh. But, uh, and, and of course, she graciously answered, uh, Yeah, well, I think we've come to that conclusion. Yeah. That it is. But,
1: yeah. Yeah. Interesting oh, memory. What a wild ride. And you have said that you're um, performing in front of a crowd is, is a nerve wracking experience. Do you find when you're performing in front of a small, intimate group, is it a different Worse. experience? Worse. Yeah.
0: 200,000 people is so surreal, so weird. It looks like a hair rug. Yeah. Right? They're, they're so far away from me because the stage is so big. You're hearing, the sound is, is spectacular. Like, we were doing a show in Paris for 100,000 people just outside of Paris. And there were delay towers, like three of them, going way, way back. And when I hit a chord on the guitar, it sounded like a, a jet leaving the stage.
1: Oh, fine. It was just Yeah.
0: So I don't know, empowering. It was <laughs> great. Yeah. I still got thrown off that stage. I, uh, the security would throw throw me off our stages because I look like a groupie. And Chris's <laughs> Scottish <laughs> manager would say, "Bring him back. We need him for the show at eight o'clock. But you can kick him out now."
1: <laughs> right on. <laughs> Yay! So you're traveling around with all these, and the list of musicians you've played with and interacted, and I mean, it's it is amazing. Um, but you're traveling around with them. You're doing these sketches and kind of sprinkly, sprinkling off. them around the world. And uh, at what point did you realize, like, I can, I can have a serious art career as well? well? Or am I just telling you this now? <laughs> maybe you are.
0: Um, it, I've never sort of, you know, I'm working on a sitcom right now. Uh-huh. I, which I can't talk about, or have to kill you. Right? Okay, <laughs> I'm um, ready to go. I want to hear. No, <laughs> but, but I've got s- I've got a big entertainment lawyer interested in it, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of have these bucket lists in life. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna continue painting.
1: Yeah. I have to right yeah. now, but maybe the <laughs> sitcom thing I'll film. take no. over. Who knows? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I always wanted to act in a movie, and I acted in a couple of indie movies and got nominated in Denver or some oh, place yeah. like that for, you yeah. know, best indie, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It was a bucket list thing. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of things I still, you know, I want to do. Yeah. So I'm re- I've am i really dedicated myself to try and finish the pilot yeah. for this thing.
1: So you're writing it?
0: I'm writing it. Yeah. And it's good.
1: Okay, so you're working on this, and is it, uh, is it music industry related? Is it? It might be. Okay. Yeah. I won't. Uh, <laughs> I might sneak another question or two in when I think you're not paying it's, attention. It's,
0: you know what? I've I told a few people about them about it that have now signed on non-disclosures, and because they really lost it when I first told them. Yeah. One guy's hooked up with Ryan Gosling, and uh, his wife is a big TV executive yeah. in New York. I told him about it three years ago, and he says he's the most trustworthy person I've ever met in my life. And he said, Danny, you have got to pursue this. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's very cool.
1: Yeah. Don't you think it's cool? Like, I think we do tend to try and pigeonhole people into, you know, you're a this, you are an artist, or you are not an artist, you're a musician, or you're not, or you're... But We all have this level of creativity and... Whatever you apply it to is, you know, it's like watering a plant. We
0: all do. Plant.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Everybody has. Yeah. Somebody said, oh, man, I, you know, I wish I could do that. You know, I saw you play tonight. And I said, you know what? You, you've you got a talent that's working in your brain that's, that's yeah. organizing it to appreciate music. If you're feeling something from it, then you're part of ev- everything that has to do with it's that's part of the talent there's talent there yeah within you
1: that's and i think too the more you learn about each different creative endeavor the more you appreciate it like as you venture down learning a bit more about music or art or writing or you know anything it all of a sudden opens your vision up to really see like i am not a musician but i paint i, I play a little bit of a lot of things and all, all, it's The best thing it's done for me is when I listen to music, I get it so much more than I would have if I didn't... Yeah, that helps. I, yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference in how it, you...
0: It, yeah, it's good. It's cathartic in the sense, you know, it's it's just nice to f- noodle around on yeah. anything yeah. you can. And if you can hear the notes and you can work them out, I tell a lot of people to tell, you know, don't put your kids into lessons right away. Yeah. Buy, a, you know, an inexpensive instrument and see if they gravitate towards it. And see... You know, challenge them. Say, hey, you, you've just heard these four notes. Uh, Three by my... Now you figure what... Ah, 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 yeah. Is in the piano. Find those notes. And if you see them go back and they keep going back, then maybe it's time. I never took a lesson in my life. It's so just, how
1: did you learn? Just by ear. Yeah.
0: Because I was an ugly kid and I wanted to get some attention. <laughs> right? You grew out of it. <laughs> you know, one thing I'm sort of getting off the track of your show here is that I was going to say about art, to uh-huh. go back to art, is that it's something like music. It, it's, you should enjoy... You should be able to take your shoes off and dip your feet in the water. You know, Just take a chance and you know, throw some paint on a canvas yeah. and see what happens. I'm in a bit of a rut because now I've got this brand... Right. And, you know, I sometimes get a little bit sick of painting hats. Yeah. Right? Like it seems like I'm like my blue dog.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to, I wanna you know, really grab a bucket of paint. Yeah. And I want to throw it against something.
1: And will and you? just see what
0: happens with it.
1: Will you? Like I know you... paint's so expensive these days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see.
1: If I bring a bucket of paint over to your studio, <laughs> would you? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It is interesting that we, you know... I talk to a lot of artists, and am one, and and it's a job where we construct our own parameters, and you know we make up this set of rules for ourselves, and it's like you know I must do cityscapes, and they've got to be this way, and it's got to be, and we all, I mean, you have to do it because there there needs to be some parameters, otherwise you just sit in this uh, in this moment of overwhelm. But it's interesting the parameters we all choose for ourselves, and how. Um, how wide or narrow a path we create for the things that we create. I could see being successful is a great thing, but it's also you create a demand from your galleries and you're kinda of churning out the same thing and yeah. So, like the music to,
0: industry. Yeah. Chris has same? to sing that song Yeah. Every night of his life. Yeah. I mean lady can you do they're only coming to hear Lady in red. I mean most punters are, you know, like that's what we call them, punters, right? <laughs> you know what's funny? Because you hear screaming uh-huh. every night. Like in the beginning, it used to frighten me. And at the end, it was like, strangely enough, it is it's it becomes disturbing to uh-huh. hear. When you hear 30,000 or 40,000 people indoors in an arena screaming. Yeah you'd think you'd just be going, oh, yeah, wow, man, I can't... W-. It's like, shut up.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can't,
0: we, we'd be telling them to shut up from stage smiling. Yeah. And they didn't know what we were saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And for you, it's it's a work night, right? Like you're doing was, the things that you...
0: It was a work night. But yeah. now having said that, I if there was one person who gave me a, dirty, a weird look in an audience of, I don't care if it was... Three hundred thousand. Yeah, it would ruin my night. I mean, I was so sensitive and so uh-huh. frightened. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I never. Uh, I never felt any of that sort of, uh, you know, the your rock star or that notoriety kind of thing. Uh-huh. I always wondered what I was doing there. Mm-hmm. And one one afternoon at a show, there was a guy banging at, uh, at the fence. You know, like uh-huh. saying, "Man, man, could you come?" Could you please just come over here and just, could you get these signed for me? And it was a kid, and he had, I, I had an album. He had my album. I don't know where he found it. I thought they turned them all into frisbees. <laughs> but he had Chris Berg's album, and he said, Could you please, he said, I can't afford to go in there, right? Could you get this signed? I said, Oh, I can do way better than that. Gate open, security, backstage pass, FedEM. I said that's the that's the little shit that you're all worried about over there. We'll, but we'll get him to sign that in a second, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I took him out, introduced him to everybody, and last two or three years ago, I was at a gold Golden Plates dinner award, mm-hmm. and uh, who was it? Jim Cuddy and uh, Barney Bentle and Great Big C, Alan Doyle. Right, yeah. Alan Doyle was there, mm-hmm. and. I met his father at the Juno Awards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I see, he said, my dad, my son just won a Juno Award. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. He said, are you in the music business? Yeah. Yeah, at He said, well, if you ever see him, tell him you met his dad, right? Yeah. So I said, should I go up to him and say hi?
1: Yeah.
0: And my gal at the time said, yeah, I can't hurt. And I said, yeah, but what if he's talking? So I went up, I tapped him, he was talking to somebody. Yeah. He looked at me like, oh, yeah. And I yeah. said oh I'm sorry Alan I met your dad I was supposed to tell you my name's Danny McBride and he went oh. he says it's you it's that Dan- he, he just brushed go away to this blonde yeah. he was talking to <laughs> he said you're the reason I'm here he, he was- says I came to you at the con- at concert oh, with two records oh my god and you took me back and you s- showed me that there was a chance and how
1: wow how
0: all this stuff can happen yeah He's got a bit of an Irish accent because he's from the East Coast. but yeah, yeah. Um, He's not quite Irish, but <laughs> that's the best <laughs> I can do. Anyways, you know what? I went back to my table, and my I, I was welled up. Oh, for uh, sure. Tell, she said, what happened? Did yeah. he hit you or what?
1: <laughs> and I said,
0: yeah, he hit me with a statement.
1: Yeah, know? Isn't that amazing? So, you never know.
0: You, you never. You never
1: know what kind of a trail you leave behind or what kind of impact you have on... On the people you touch, and all the people you don't have that follow-up dialogue with, or you know, you you impact them without Absolutely. ever knowing it. Yeah, and the people who impact you, like, who were your big music heroes or art heroes growing up?
0: Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Was I, that's right off the top of my head because I'm a guitarist yeah. and yeah. um I met him.
1: Yeah. Oh. I was so
0: again standing yeah. there in my little Nehru jacket backstage, <laughs> my little Sergeant Pepper's yeah. thing, and he could see I was just sort of shaking. And he looked over at me and he just said, Stay cool.
1: Oh, <laughs> you can hear him say that. Beautiful. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay cool. What a tale. And was that fairly early in your musical Oh, yeah, because I would yeah. have
0: been 16 or 17. Yeah.
1: yeah. What was the first time you ever played for a crowd?
0: Uh, my grade seven class. The Beatles had just come out, Uh so I put a a a white shirt on backwards and I put a suit coat on backwards. (laughs) It was sort of like a a Vickers kind of outfit, but it sort of looked Beatle-ish, right in a way. Yeah. And my friend and I went, and I had written this. I went down the street to John Fisher School. There was a teacher that was really cool. I'm not going to (laughs) say. You actually remember it though. Yeah. And then the kids
1: clapped. Uh huh.
0: And I was like, wow. Hooked. This is sort of like fame or something, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And I didn't feel so nerdy after I did that. Yeah. Um, First major concert, high schools. Uh Uh-huh. I never went to a... I didn't graduate from anything, but Uh even at my high school gradu, my public school graduation, there was a public school. Yeah. I was playing in the band, so I never got to dance or anything. I still don't know how to dance.
1: (laughs) It's not too late. (laughs) (laughs) yay okay so you have um, you have a studio here in Kelowna. yes what's your setup there like how do you approach a day of painting
0: um, with what's that word uh, when you're you, you don't want to go and you've got a, a feeling of
1: <laughs> dread. <laughs>
0: There's a a better, yeah, like dread. Uh Okay, let's use dread. Okay. And then I go in and I turn the light on and I go, okay, all right, all right, all right, right. Mm -hmm. You you can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I have a plan, though. I don't have to start from scratch. Uh Um, I'll have uh, something that I'll, I've already got sketched out. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a woman in a hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, you know, that makes it a little bit harder mm-hmm. because I'm more visible now. And, you know, people go, well, that that is looking a lot like that other painting. We know you do women in hats, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's looking so close. Yeah. And I said, well, you're going to get that particular woman every time you're going to get yeah. s- sort of you might see just a slight diff- and slight nuance, mm-hmm. a change. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In a face. Um, so I have to work with the background or I have to work with color, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got one that's, uh, sort of a, the big change was going to an Audrey Hepburn kind of breakfast at Tiffany's kind Mm -hmm. of hat. Mm -hmm. And then one sort of bull hat with stripes on it, black stripes, Mm -hmm. and she's in a white dress and it's a white and black hat. Mm -hmm. And there's like white, uh, black buttons and white backgrounds. So it's. It's super minimalist it looks modern it's not as cookie cutter as my cafe scenes right um, which take like three months I mean Mm -hmm. they take a long long time
1: yeah and so with these paintings you're essentially you're playing with color blocking you're playing with pattern you're playing with variation and who is the woman to you
0: um (laughs) everybody asks me that and I always say and I I'm trying to I'm starting to believe it, but I think you know, <laughs> it is. It's sort of true, but it's Miss Arnold. It's my grade three teacher. Oh, okay. She had like red lipstick, and you could smell it. And, yeah. And you know, I had that a kid crush. Yep. On my teeth because I could smell. I didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. She just smelled like perfume. Yeah. And she was really nice to me, you yeah. know, because she she was patient with my reading and all that. Mm-hmm. And she had a really she had a very oval face. Mm-hmm. And she had these beautiful lips, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And she looked Victorian in a way. And she, her nose was a, just a little bit bigger, but she was pretty. The whole thing made up a really yeah. pretty picture.
1: That is exactly your paintings. Like, and it is you, yeah. very
0: much, yeah. Yeah.
1: And my his, mom
0: also looked like that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So you know, here we go. Yeah. Miss Arnold looked a bit like my mom. I was away from my mom at school. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Could be my mom. Yeah. You
1: know? yeah. yeah, sometimes we don't know. And I always find every painting to me is a self-portrait. Like there's something about ourselves <laughs> in, <laughs> in uh, yeah. So- Poor women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, on my end. And <laughs> yeah. hey, you know what? Oh, sorry to interrupt, but somebody said that she looks a bit like the, the gal I, I was going. I hate saying X. Is there another <laughs> word for X?
1: My former. We'll oh go with that.
0: This, yeah, because yeah. when she's right there, and I go, this is uh, Constance, because mm-hmm. I was living with an artist named Constance Bachman, and she she's a great artist. She's showing at SOPA, mm-hmm. SOPA Square or SOPA Art Gallery. Yes, here, yeah. And she studied at um, De, uh, Car
1: Emily Carr. Emily yeah. Carr. Uh huh
0: like I go hey how do you make the shadow of yellow because she she said oh geez you don't know anything can you help me out because
1: I got a bunch of paintings already sold I (laughs) got a poor
0: simple right yeah please 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 just tell me um yeah no I'm just back to the I was introducing her to say that Uh this is my and I thought oh geez sorry Constance you don't look like an axe. um how did I get oh yeah somebody said yeah, they sort of look a bit like her, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and yeah, I can see some, some yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I went from my te- my mom to my teachers to my yes. former
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to myself. There you go. As you said. <laughs> well, you never know. Interesting. So it's um so you've got this sort of um you've got this motif that has been really successful for you.
0: I love the word motif. Can I use that? You can use it. You Th- can use that's it, one it along of those with those ten dollar words. Yeah, words. Yeah. I Just love it.
1: Footnote me every time. Yes. Oh I won't. It would be habitudinous of me not to. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to write that one down. <laughs> and I'm not being insouciant. <laughs> okay.
0: But when you say everybody writes themselves in they pain well
1: In a way, yeah. Don't you think?
0: Except for Basque, right? Yeah, hopefully.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Oh, yay. And um, and where do you see it going from here?
0: It's a, That's a really loaded question. It's a good question because I'm at this crossroads. You know, it's funny because it's the perfect time for this interview, I guess, because I have nothing. You know, I have no more paintings. Right. And I have a couple of people that are sort of concerned about, you know, I haven't painted in four months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just... You know, it feel, I, it's a strange thing when somebody buys everything you've got, and yeah. you sort of close all your galleries down because they've got nothing; they've got nothing to show. Yeah. So I have some really good people here who are—they're they, they, becoming clients. They want—they want me to get out there. They want like four paintings or mm-hmm. three paintings each. Yeah. And that's a huge investment. Yeah.
1: Because you know? your a, paintings are not a bang out kind of.
0: They're not cheap. Yeah. That that's one yeah. thing is they're not cheap. Yeah. Uh, and they're not a bang em out. Yeah. I mean they're they have they're almost architecturally put together. Those hats, yeah. When you get a five foot hat that's just got this curve on it, it's everything's gotta be it's gotta be so balanced yeah. with everything else going on there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: on a big painting, you mm-hmm. know. So
1: I'm dying to see them in real I've seen photos of them but I've never seen them in real life, so when you get another fresh crop, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I was yesterday. I was at a friend's place, uh, who's a uh, who owns a lot of industrial property in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. He's well-to-do, lovely guy, Irishman, mm-hmm. and I went and they've got like an eight-foot cafe scene of mine over a their couch. Uh-huh. They had a light design for it, mm-hmm. and I went in and I said. I didn't pay that. Did I? I couldn't have. I just like I thought it was so good. Oh yay! So maybe if he said yeah, he said we we could get you you know a thousand clients just from them yeah. seeing this, you yeah. know. Yeah. So that's inspiring. Yeah. If you knew me a bit better, you know, I am like Woody Allen. Well, I'm not like the bad Woody part of Woody Allen, but I am like the movie Woody Allen where I'm uh-huh. I'm insecure. Uh-huh. I have to tell you right now that. Doing an interview and talking on a microphone, to me, is almost like putting me in a casket.
1: Wow. You know, it's funny. I was I setting up scared. the microphones and I was thinking, oh, he's got to be so used to these.
0: <laughs> um, no, I've had the one. A- I, I did a, a radio thing, you know, and the guy. Well, here. Here's a funny story. Uh-huh. Uh, John Roberts. John Roberts who was J.D. Roberts, who's an anchorman for Fox, I think now, mm-hmm. uh, was the White House uh, correspondent. Mm-hmm. He was the VJ for Fo- for uh, Much Music.
1: Oh, and right.
0: he goes, hi, we're over here. In, uh- I
1: remember that. Okay, go on. Yeah,
0: we're over here in Switzerland. Yeah, he says, and we're at the Something Arena, and we're going to see a Christopher show. He's sold at fourteen thousand people for three nights in a row. Yeah, he said, but oddly enough, there's one. He's got a band from Canada, and one of those guys is a good friend of mine, Danny McBride, and we're going to go in and say hi to Danny. So he gets on the, our tour bus, uh-huh. and he says, Danny, how about if we start with you? And I said, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And he puts a camera in my face, and he says. So how are you liking it? I said, well, we've been here in Jamermity, <laughs> Jamermity for," And he went, uh, stop. He said, what's wrong with you? And I said, uh, I don't know. It's a camera or something. Oh, no. So he kept it on me all day. Yeah. And by the end of the day, he yeah. had something he could use. Yeah. But coming down here today, yeah. I, was, I, I, I had to shut myself completely off. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm not going to be able to put two words together. And everybody out there, or whoever's listening, I oh, would shut <laughs> up. Because I'm so nervous, I'm just, yeah. I'm binge talking, yeah. because I can't believe I'm getting through this.
1: Oh, fun. So this no, is a huge phobia awesome. for me. You've been awesome. Well, the show is called Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. And uh, I don't know if you have a punchline for me. Oh, my. <laughs> or lucky door number two or a joke or a funny story from your from your creative career
0: So I can't remember the exact year it was in the late 80s when uh, yeah well, you'd know because you'd be able to Google it after I tell the story <laughs> anybody out there listening. So we're I'm at the Trump castle and I'm performing wait
1: wait wait nobody gets to the Trump castle that fast. Tell us what you're doing oh, there. okay well I will.
0: And the reason I was at the Trump Castle is um, I was performing with David Hasselhoff. Um, It was David Hasselhoff meets America kind of thing on a music sense. He was finally going to show America that he was not only an actor-ish, but a Uh
1: singer-ish.
0: right And and so we're there, and I'll just start right into it. I wander over to the, the gal who's going to be singing if I was a carpenter with him, and it's Marla Trump. <laughs> and she's holding her newborn. Yeah. I, would that be Ivanka? That or? would
1: be uh, Tiffany.
0: Okay. And I'm talking to her. She was actually quite nice. And I told her I had three daughters. She said, you want to hold her? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure, you know. Aww. You know, I just gave her a little rock and yeah. handed her back. Yeah. And then I started to show in, you know, her the song, and we would sing it together. She was pretty good. She had some pitch problems, but you know, it's just funny how she's singing. If I and yeah. I was your
1: lady, and yeah. I had no that's money. I marry easy song you anyway. I'm sure that's got to be a.
0: Um, yeah, she was. She, she she did a good job though. Yeah. So we we finished the show, and it just happened that it was Donald Trump's birthday. Two, two days before and Thanks. he thought that was a pretty auspicious time to have a party with all the Baywatch babes
1: yeah, <laughs> and
0: everything at his big palatial uh, apartment right. at the top of the, the Trump Castle. Mm-hmm. So we head up there and I get off the elevator and I can hear coming from the room as the door opens some singing. Somebody's singing in the midnight hour mm-hmm. and I look in and it's George Foreman uh-huh. the boxer. Yeah, George yeah. Foreman singing in the midnight hour. Yeah. I've held Donald Trump's daughter. Whoa. I'm going to Donald's birthday. Yeah. I'm sitting on the couch listening to George Foreman sing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And Donald sits beside me. He says, hey, do you think anybody mind if I watch your TV? And I went, uh, like, it's your party, dude. And so many words. <laughs> yeah. And he went, you're right. Yeah. And he hits a button, and the whole wall comes. There's a screen. Yeah. It's like the, the size of the whole wall comes down. hmm And there's O.J. Simpson escaping and the white Bronco.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: So nobody Yeah. Nobody watched the pay-per-view that cost David a million point five. Oh, in no. In fact, oh, no. all of our crew were watching yeah. what was going on in yeah. America at that time. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's funny, because I don't think that David drank Sojay anymore.
1: <laughs> Off the list. <laughs> <laughs>
0: True story.
1: You've been listening to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to Two Artists Walk com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to Two Artists Walk Into a dot com and buy us our next round. Cheers.